The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Medtronic. Medtronic is dedicated to the pursuit of life-transforming health tech. From AI to robotics and beyond, we're reinventing what's possible, and we're just getting started. Visit Medtronic.com to learn more. LinkedIn News. Hey there, it's Dan Roth, LinkedIn's Editor-in-Chief. Welcome to This Is Quick, where we ask today's leaders pointed questions about their own best practices. Today, we're hearing from my boss, Ryan Roslansky, the CEO of LinkedIn. Ryan and I have worked together since I joined LinkedIn over a decade ago, and you're going to hear him do something that he has done to me the entire time, which is to turn every question I ask back on me. Recently, Ryan launched his own show here at LinkedIn. It's called The Path. And before we got into my questionnaire, I had to find out what inspired him to spend his time making a video series and a podcast. Based on what we were seeing in the LinkedIn feed, people were really struggling with what a career path meant, uh, how to navigate their career. And we thought it'd be great to try and talk to some people about how their career paths had gone and started this video series. We gave it a shot and it resonated really well with members on LinkedIn. We've had some great conversations, and we really want to get those out to as many folks as we possibly can, both on LinkedIn and off LinkedIn, and the the podcast route uh, seemed like a really good way to do that. I've listened to the first episode. It's amazing. Mark Cuban, really good. Interesting take. I mean, the stuff that Cuban went through in his career, like working at a bank and talking to the CEO and his managers being like, you can't do that. And Mark's like, why not? The way that he leaned into why not, I found fascinating. Totally. I mean, not only that, I mean, just a story really quick about Mark Cuban. So again, back to when we were deciding we want to really tell stories about people's career paths across LinkedIn, um, we sent out some emails to, I think, five or or six people, well-known people, um, asking them if they wanted to be on this brand new idea called The Path. Mark Cuban literally, I'm not exaggerating, replied in 30 seconds and said, absolutely, just let me know when. I feel like he not only has an incredible path, but he is just so willing to give back and share his story and help others to succeed. He's just a really good person, it turns out. So that was one of my favorite conversations I've had. It really comes through in the interview, so I hope people will listen. But Ryan, I'm going to turn the tables now and ask you some questions. Good luck. Here we go. Ryan, what do you always have with you? Is there any gear or item or app that you can't show up to your workday without? I feel like it's so basic to say this, but it's, I'd have to say my phone. My phone is turned into my wallet. Actually, funny story. My phone now is what I use to get into my car. You can like connect it to your car. So I don't carry around car keys anymore. And last week, this is a new thing for me that I learned how to do. Last week, I was going to Starbucks and I parked my car and I always leave my phone in my car because I had my keys, so I left my phone in my car, and I ran into Starbucks to grab my drink, and I ran out, and I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I can't open my car right now because my phone's in my car. So then I have a real problem because I have no way to open my car, and I have no way to call anyone to tell them about it. So I stood outside of Starbucks and started asking people if I could borrow their phone to call my wife. Second person I asked was like, okay, I mean— this gentleman was very nice, but he gave me a really kind of like crazy look, like, what are you talking about? So I grabbed his phone and I called my wife's. My wife has like, you know, if it's not a number she recognizes on her phone, the call gets blocked. 
So like I leave a message and just like sit and hope and pray. But by the way, there's no way she ever listens to this. Half an hour later, I convince this other person, this woman to give me her phone. And so then I text my wife and I'm like, hey, it's Ryan, it's really Ryan. Like I'm at the Starbucks, can you come here? And like an hour later, my wife pulled up with the actual key uh, so that I could open my car and go to work. Well, I guess one takeaway is that we should all be answering our potentially spam calls because it could be your spouse trying to get into their... <laughs> exactly. Uh, lock, locked uh, locked at Starbucks. Yeah. What about you, Dan? What about you? What do you have on you? Um, we weren't expecting you to turn this back on you, I was not you? expecting you to turn it back. What do I have... You know, I carry a backpack full of stuff every day to work, and then I never actually go through any of it. I have, like, a sweatshirt in there. I've got probably 100 pens. I'm a real hoarder of pens. (laughs) I don't know why. I'm like, just, I never want to be without these pens. And so I can't really start the day without those. I like it. So you, uh, is this, you take the subway? Take the subway, yep. Backpack on the subway. Full of stuff just in case. Just in in case, case. yeah. Were you a Boy Scout, like, always prepared type of thing? No, No, never. Were you? No. All right. No, I wasn't really? either. But I, it just feels like something they teach you to always be totally. prepared. And so it sounds like you're doing yeah. that. When did you first know what you wanted to do? I was pretty fascinated by technology early on. I I was like five or six years old when my parents bought me a Tandy 2000, you know, it's like a half a computer. You had to plug into the TV to actually use the screen and um, learn about technology and how cool that was. So I always felt like I wanted to do something that was, you know, technology related, but ironically, similar to the path. I mean, I still don't know what I want to do. And I feel like, you know, there is no linear like end goal in a lot of the situations. It's all about learning and figuring it out and being open to opportunities as you go. And how about you, Dan? You're on a good one. I would stick with it. Um, what did I know I want? I knew what I wanted to do when I was in high school. As soon as I took my first journalism class, I was like, this is it. Journal- this you knew is it. it. Absolutely. It's kind of worked out well for you as well. I'm very happy. What's one habit or item or process that helps you stay productive? It's a tactic that I started employing about four years ago that keeps me on my toes, keeps me moving forward. I think historically there's been a role uh, in a lot of these companies or these businesses called chief of staff. And, you know, to a certain extent, sometimes that's a blend between like an administrative position and someone that can kind of help somewhat on the strategy part. I I took a tactic four years ago where – I convinced someone who I thought basically could do my job better than me to take on the chief of staff role. That's a woman named Caroline Gaffney. And basically, it's like having a second brain, someone that literally could probably do my job, I don't know, maybe better than me, but is constantly pushing me to be looking around corners and connecting dots and just really keeping me on my toes to make sure we're focused on the right things as a as a thought partner um, more than anything else. So that's been one of the most valuable things for me to help LinkedIn move forward. That's awesome. I was going to say a to-do list. So your answer is much better than mine. Uh, who was your first mentor and what was something important you learned from them? I've had so many mentors. Um, I think it's a really important thing to always be seeking out mentorship across the board. You know, probably one of my the first people that was really important and impactful in my career was a guy named Andrew Bracha. When I was working at Yahoo a long time ago, I was very young and, and junior and just kind of getting into this big company or felt like a big company at the time. And this is probably one of the most um, intelligent, like innovative, sophisticated, forward-thinking people I've ever met in business and still to this day is. But what I remember Andrew for was not all of that. It was 
he combined this ability with all that stuff to actually be having fun at work. Like work can also be fun. And you only live once and these are really serious jobs, but you have to bring some joy and levity to what you're doing every day. And hopefully I try and bring that through to what we do at LinkedIn. But I think that was a really important lesson that I was fortunate to learn early on. All right, Ryan, I think I know the answer to this one. Let me find out. Someone shows up to a one-on-one with you. What drives you nuts and what makes you want to extend it? What do you think is the answer? I think the answer is probably someone who comes in and just says, I want to pick your brain is what would drive you nuts. No clear thing for you to Hmm. um, weigh in on or like uh, kind of expand on. Gosh, you're so good. Dan Roth. Wow. Know me well. And what makes you want to extend it? I would guess an idea that you can brainstorm together, something that sparks like a a big big idea. 100%. So basically, um, my philosophy on -on one-on-ones, which I think are really important, um, is for both sides, me and whoever I'm meeting with, to bring to the table an important set of topics to discuss. Also, by the way, if there's nothing pressing at that time, I don't have anything pressing you don't have anything pressing. We kind of connect before and say, hey, let's give that time back. No need to kind of um, waste the time. So my pet peeve is like, you, know, you come to a meeting and really don't have anything to talk about. And now we have a half an hour to um, opine on nothing. So I don't love that. But when people bring like a really meaty problem that we need to figure out, those are the best. And sometimes a half an hour meeting turns into an hour and a half meeting because it's so interesting and so critical for us to figure it out. So. Any mistakes you've made along the way in your career that you now look at as a life lesson? I think having a sense of taking risk and understanding the importance of taking risk is is pretty critical. So I don't, I make mistakes every day. And I think the key to making a mistake is ensuring that you're learning from it, you're moving on. So um, I I think that happens daily. How about you, Dan? Any big mistakes? I mean, I've made a million of them, but I I would say like one that I made early on was I completely flubbed a story that I was, I didn't finish a story I was working on. This was, I was at Fortune. Mm. And I, ne- I didn't tell my managers. I was drowning, and I didn't go to anyone for help. And yeah. then it was due, and I turned in a quarter-finished article. And I was like, I'm definitely going to be fired now. And the head of the magazine came in to my office and was like, you really I mean, you really screwed up. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I know. And he said, you can make a mistake, and this is your mistake. Mm. And, and wow. he was like, you're fine, but next time you have people who are here to help you here finish come and tell us. You just got to tell us. We can't read your brain. We can't read your mind. Yeah. You got to tell us when you're having problems. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Always. I yeah. love it. Bring people in. That's great. Mr. Roslansky, what's a job you turned down and why? I, I have never turned down a job. You've taken every, every time anyone's ever come to you for a job, you've said yes. Um, yeah, yeah. No, because I've never gotten to a point where someone has offered me a position. Um, you know, but then I mean like a real yeah. offer. Um, I, I feel like if, if any of that had come to fruition and it wasn't a right fit, I would have turned it down before then. So I've never been in that position, I don't think. So related question then, which is what advice do you give people when they are thinking about whether to take a new job or not? I've you know written a lot about this. So apologies, listener, uh, if you've heard this before, but you got to know what matters to you in your career. And I really push people to figure out the two things that matter to them. And it's only two. They typically start with like 10. And then once people are able to force it and focus it down to those two things and really think about it, and sometimes it takes people a month to, to really internally understand what that means to them, 
I ask them to plot it on a two by two and then ask them whether or not they are currently in the upper right quadrant, which means that you are successfully satisfying the two things that matter most to you in your career. And if not, you know how to fix it. So when a new opportunity comes along the way, uh, instead of making it a subjective exercise or getting caught up in the emotion or what's going on, you have more of a true guide or an understanding of what matters to you. Is that new opportunity in the upper right quadrant? And if not, it's probably not the right fit for you. Um, so that's the way that I've at least m tried to make the process more objective. Hmm. And at least for me personally, I found that, that that's been a, a key to guiding me in my career over the last 20 years. I've heard you talk about this two by two quadrant and, and I've had you use this on me. <laughs> you, I've actually, you, yeah, even in a one-on-one -on -one where I've asked you to create one exactly. for yourself. So yeah. It's hard work, by that's the way. True. Coming, out, coming yeah. down to two is very difficult. But how did you come up with that? It's oh, so funny. I came up with it when I was at LinkedIn and I was uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to work on next because there's a lot of cool things you can work on and build uh, at LinkedIn. And I found myself being pulled in a lot of different directions. What other people thought I should do, what my wife thought I should do, um, what I thought would be best for the company, what the CEO thought I should do. And I needed a more objective way to be like, what do I actually care about? And so I, I forced myself to create that idea and plotted the two by two, and it's worked pretty well since then. You've now finished the first season of The Path, the video series. We. We're in we this have now finished the first season of The Path. Yeah. Has your career advice changed after having done all of these interviews? Has it changed at all how you think about how people should guide their own careers or think about their own careers? I, I mean, most importantly, it has only further cemented the idea for me that there is no such thing as a linear career path. And we've been fortunate to talk to some amazing people, you know, Toto Wolf or Jeffrey Katzenberg, Seth Godin, Chef Jose Andres, Caroline Wonga, Satya Nadella. And there's like, there's not a lot of commonality in anything that, that these folks have done. So it further reinforces this idea that your career's in your own hands and you have to have some way to manage that career. There's no linear path. I really enjoyed all of the, the discussions. You know, Caroline Wonga was just such a, an awesome discussion, but she had this one line, which is that who you are is who you are. And if you can't be who you are, where you are, you change where you are, not who you are. And I think that was just such a powerful message that I've seen resonate a lot with the LinkedIn member base, which is that it's all about finding the right fit for who you want to be and where you want to be. And you don't need to change who you are, but you should go and find a place where you can be yourself. And I, I just thought that was such a such a really like fantastic way to, to think about it. Um, Satya Nadella, who's my boss, had this great point, which is, you know, don't wait for your next job to do your best work. And I think so many times people are like, oh, if I can just get to that next job, I'm gonna go and do something great and big, et cetera. And his real point is like, hey, like be great at what you're doing right now. Like that's the key. You can't grow if you don't think your growth comes because of what you're currently doing. And that resonated a lot for me. I think it resonated a lot for the, the LinkedIn member base um, as well. So I've picked up a ton of great insights along the way. But most importantly, again, it just reinforces the fact that, wow, there is no like one way this, this, this all works. Ryan Roslansky, thank you so much for joining us. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Dan. That was Ryan Roslansky, the CEO of LinkedIn. I'm so glad that Ryan shared his two by two exercise. 
I can tell you I have seen him draw that on a whiteboard more times than I can count, and I have always failed at the exercise. I cannot get it down to just two variables. How about you? If Ryan and I asked you to identify the two areas that matter most to you when it comes to your career, what would you answer? And how close are you to living in that upper right quadrant? Let me know on LinkedIn using the hashtag thisisworking. And if there's a question you want to hear in these candid segments with guests, let me know that too. You can reach me at thisisworking at linkedin.com. Thanks to our team for putting this together. Nina and I will be back next week to bring you more great takeaways. Be well and stay curious.